An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame. But then what? This Blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made. It's a different kind of fame that's not always as glamorous as it looks. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznak. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. And welcome to 10 Days of Lindsay Lohan, a series of 10 short episodes celebrating the life, times, and career of one of the most famous and infamous 2000s it girls, Lindsay D. Lohan. We are doing a special run of episodes in preparation for Lindsay's film return as Sierra Belmont, swear to God, that's the name, in the Netflix film Falling for Christmas, which comes out later in November. We will be revisiting Lindsay's music, her tabloid escapades, and even her spawn con. But first, I am joined by Jody Walker to discuss the movie career that started it all. Jody, hello. Hello, Amanda. It is so nice to be here. I'm feeling hopeful. I'm feeling excited. I'm ready for the Lohanaissance. Lohanaissance? That's what I'm going with. As am I. I, you know, was forged in the fires of the Lindsay Lohan 2000s and grew up with her and maybe grew up past her a little bit at some point. But I have a lot of affection for her. And I vividly remember almost everything that we're going to talk about in the next 10 days for the better and sometimes for worse. But I, I, I agree with you that the Lohan Assange, this is a celebratory moment, we hope, because as you said before we started recording, what better way to start a yet another career comeback than with a Netflix Christmas film? It, it's the peak of performance right now. I mean, to be recruited into the Netflix holiday universe is a big deal. I think Lindsay's in a good place. And like you said, we grew up with her. So there is this emotional attachment to her filmography, at least for me, that cannot be detached. Like as I've been looking through these early 2000 movies, revisiting a few, 
it's sort of overwhelming how much of them I remember and how like viscerally I relate to some of these moments in these movies. That's such a great point. I completely agree. And I thus was astonished to find when preparing for this podcast, which will be about Lindsay Lohan's film career. I was surprised to be reminded of how short a filmography she has (laughs) because they do all live with me. And you and I, as Lohan enthusiasts and as people who have seen most of the films on this short filmography, are going to try to find some hidden gems and crown the most underrated of the Lindsay Lohan filmography. And the reason we're doing underrated is because I would say that it's not generally a a movie career that is held in a lot of esteem. Is that, do you think that's fair to say? I think that when we think about Lindsay Lohan currently and her as an actor, an artist, a performer, we think of it as a tragic tale. And so it is held in the amount of esteem that is like there was a high high and there was so much promise there. But it's kind of hard to remember that esteem given everything that happened post 2005, maybe, but you're, I had the exact same experience of revisiting her IMDb page and being like, oh, I think of myself as extremely Lohan literate because there are so few movies before things sort of started to go off the deep end. But for like three to four years there, extremely heavy hitters. And I think maybe we don't remember or think about enough how dense that time period of the early 2000s was for her. And how everywhere she was. It was a real phenomenon. As you said, like a lot of promise. She started as a child actor, was I think immediately tipped as sort of one of the great next actors of her generation. A lot of attention, a lot of magazine covers, and then a lot of public, I guess, setbacks. Is, is how, as, as you alluded to in the mid 2000s, I was also really stunned when looking at her filmography to be reminded that she really hasn't made a movie, a feature film since 2013, The Canyons, directed by Paul Schrader, which I promise you we will be discussing later in 10 days of Lindsay Lohan. Worry not. I think it's safe to say that The Canyons is not on either of our like most underrated Lindsay Lohan filmographies. I don't want to speak for you. Do you have an attachment to The Canyons? I only had an attachment to learning about what was happening in the like behind the scenes of The Canyons while it was being filmed. Sure. Yes. But I would say that everything post 2005, 2006 on Lindsay Lohan's IMDb page is accurately rated. And that rating is low. Right. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to search for the underrated films before we do that. I think we want to talk about, we want to briefly acknowledge like the high point, I guess it's accurately rated, but it's accurately rated as like one of the great comedies of the 2000s, certainly a star making vehicle. That is of course, Mean Girls, the 2004 Tina Fey comedy. That was really when we thought it was all going to happen, or at least when I thought it was all going to happen. She plays Katie Heron. She famously wanted to play Regina George, but was, you know, pushed into this like more relatable, but still kind of like wry. I think it's a, it's a great comedic, not too stereotypical performance, even though it is, it's updating the high school movie in a lot of ways. I really like it. And obviously it's become just, you know, a touchstone for an entire generation. Yeah. I think it's what everyone thinks about when they think about Lindsay Lohan 
and her talent. She's so good in it. And everybody's so good in it. Everyone's batting a hundred in this movie. It's so good. But she's also kind of playing the straight man, which is sort of a recurrent theme throughout her career because she can really, from the time she was 11 years old, anchor a movie. And that's like pretty incredible. And so in some ways, I think she doesn't even always get the recognition in Mean Girls of like being one of the best parts of it. Because, you know, that Regina George performance and character so iconic. It's so closely related to Tina Fey. Even in the Mean Girls musical, like Katie doesn't get most of the best songs. It's just like, (laughs) Katie. Sorry, (laughs) I didn't know that the Mean Girls musical was going to show up. But that's but that's some great, important, deep knowledge. Thank you. You know, Amanda, you and I have not gotten to podcast much together. This is our inaugural launch. And I think that's something that you should know is musicals might come up a few more times throughout. I I can't really make any promises that they won't. (laughs) But having recently seen Mean Girls in a in a local traveling performance, I can say that. Not even on Broadway. You're doing regional (laughs) theater. No, it's the it's the traveling Broadway show. (laughs) Okay, I thought you were like went to a high school production. Would I go see it at a high school? Absolutely. Yes, I would. (laughs) But yeah, I think that it's we consider it iconic. It is like in the height. If you see an outfit from Mean Girls, if right now during Halloween season, you see a costume from Mean Girls, you know exactly what it is. And it's directly correlated with Lindsay Lohan. However, I will say that you said that this was the time when we thought everything was going to happen. And that's true because she's so good in it. But Things are already getting it's, pretty rough in her yeah, personal life. The, it, you're right. It's starting to, you can see the the shadows like on the edge, I guess, like outside of the film. In the film itself, at least, you're just you like, can't oh, see as any you of said, it. can open yeah. a movie leading performance. You know, you're right that she kind of has not the most boring job, but the most straightforward. She's the audience stand-in of sorts, but I think she does it with a lot of charisma and wit. So... Yeah, Mean Girls is great. We couldn't do a podcast about Lindsay Lohan's movies without mentioning Mean Girls, paying our respects. And also, you but know, we, we wanted... S- we certainly couldn't call it underrated. Right, mean exactly, Girls. exactly. We just wanted to say that at some point in this career, like, things were good. So now we're going to talk about some... I'm calling them honorable mentions. So they are films in her career that are underrated, I suppose, or possibly just not good. But you and I found some merit in them that we wanted to discuss with people as, you know, Lindsay Lohanologists. Would you like to go first? Sure, I'll go first because my my choice is is very early in the career and your choice is kind of a blind spot for me. So okay. I'm excited to hear you talk my about choice it. Is, my choice is me making content, but continue. My choice is deeply embedded in my like inner child psyche. It is very important to, I think, my generation, everything about me now. And that is a Disney Channel original movie called Get a Clue, which came out in 2002. I'd love to just also point to Lindsay Lohan's decom era in general. She also made Life Size, which I don't want to like discount, which stars Tyra Banks as a come to life 
Barbie. There's a lot of like magic in Lindsay Lohan movies. We'll also come yeah, to we'll find. come back to that. But I think that Life Size is really more of a platform for Tyra Banks, whereas Get a Clue is all Lindsay Lohan. No, Amanda, I know that you are a, a true film buff, a woman of cinema. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry to sully the podcast with a Disney Channel original movie. But have you seen this film? I have to confess I have not. Um, But that's because I lived in a no Disney Channel household growing up. Well, so I just didn't get there. And then, frankly, in 2002, I was going to I was my first year of college. And you got to have some boundaries, you know, (laughs) I just (laughs) sorry. But I mean, listen, if you go home, fire up the parents TV and decom a decom happens to be there. No judgment. Who knows what could happen? Exactly. But and that is that is a big separation between people who sort of know this era of Lindsay Lohan's career and people who don't is like if Disney Channel was in the household. Correct. For me in Texas, at some point, Disney Channel became a part of the cable package and I was able to see Get a Clue, which Amanda, you might be excited to know, is about teen journalism. I say that it's like Harriet the Spy meets Clueless. It is about Lindsay Lohan's character who writes a gossip column for the school newspaper, but then she stumbles upon a much richer story. Her teacher has disappeared and she basically goes into an investigative journalism beat. I would say a number of people of my peers are probably directly inspired to become journalists by this movie. Wow. So this is to you what Devil Wears Prada was to to my generation. Okay. And I mean, Devil Wears Prada was that to me as well. But this is like an earlier, much like shallower version of that. And also it's so specific to me because she has to fight tooth and nail to prove that her gossip column is important and that it's meaningful to report on these events. And because of one of her gossip columns, that's what makes her ultimately stumble upon this this sort of more interesting mystery that fuels the plot. But honestly... The plot is the least of it. The most of it is the fashions. You've got anyone listening who hasn't seen Get a Clue. I'm not saying you have to watch Get a Clue, but you have to look at what Lindsay Lohan and Disney Channel icon Brenda Song are wearing in this movie. It's it's what people are wearing right now, like this insane mixing of patterns, these colors, this fuchsia fur coat, these J-Lo sun, like ombre sunglasses with rhinestone hearts. At one point during the movie, she is wearing this pair of cherry themed like cigarette pants that as a tween, I, I thought I had never seen anything cooler than that. And I went and looked back at them in preparation for this. And I still haven't seen anything cooler than these <laughs> pants. Like they are dressed so incredibly. And it's really one of the only times I can remember in Disney Channel original movie history that Disney Channel was being sort of like progressive with something. And that thing was fashion. And it's just really incredible how like classic some of these insane looking pieces still are. She's they're dressing like Fran Drescher which right. or like Fran Fine in The Nanny, which is which is very in right now. And I think it was just extremely influential to a generation of like seventh graders who and we and we hardly ever talk about it anymore. Yeah, I'm going to say that I I think 2002 was a great time to be dressing if you were in seventh grade 
and a truly <laughs> heinous time to be dressing if you were a freshman in college. And I really don't want to revisit anything that I was wearing. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, there's like tiered ruffle skirts. Do those oh, yeah. feature? It was a really no, tough they don't time. feature, but that's the thing is they're not dressing like seventh graders were dressing in 2002. Okay. It's this, and it's important to say that it took place in New York City. So it also has that amazing decom kid teen movie trope of like unsupervised, very rich teenagers let loose in New York City. And it's, it gives you that sort of aspirational goal as a kid of like, oh, what it would be like to just be able to do whatever you want. So my honorable mention is sort of the flip side of that, which is okay. a slightly older Lindsay Lohan character. She's playing a publicist. So at sort of the de-evolution of this career track that you're mentioning, set loose in New York City with a tremendous amount of good luck. The film I'm talking about is, of course, Just My Luck, which... I guess is you have not seen. This is 2006. So you really had to be on the low hand train at this point in the journey, but I was. And it co-stars a young Chris Pine. As That's a why guy. I'm shocked I haven't seen so it because one of the I main, love the Chris Pine beat. <laughs> one of the main reasons that I am putting this movie as an honorable mention is because I don't think we pay enough respect to like Chris Pine's mid 2000s supporting hot guy role in bad movies of major movie stars. Please see also Princess Diaries 2. Never forget. So Never forget. Later, in, the, in this house, we do put respect on that okay. era of the Chris Pine name, specifically because <laughs> of Princess Diaries 2. But I had no idea I had such a big blind spot. In Thank his you. Canon. It's nice to be among my people. So anyway, <laughs> just my luck. Lindsay Lohan plays a publicist with like, you know, amazing luck. Everything goes her way. So again, like an overgrown kid in New York, just just having the time of her life. Chris Pine plays like a band manager or maybe not. He's associated with the band and they're not good. And then they go to a masquerade ball, which is like the most mm. budget party city version of Eyes Wide Shut you've ever seen. And <laughs> they kiss. I don't really remember why. And then they and, and and it's Freaky Friday with kissing. So they just they trade luck. And so then he becomes, you know, everything's going his way. And then Lindsay Lohan's life her her publicist's life falls apart and then they keep kissing and trading luck and then they also <laughs> fall in love and i have to tell you i can't remember how they i know that they do end up together but i don't remember how they resolve the luck issue because they obviously want to keep kissing but that would be you know problematic long terms and so i think there's some sort of magic solve for the or luck. it just becomes like a part of your daily routine like okay you get the luck today you need it We'll just trade back at night. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. 
Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. But I mean, this is probably like the adult version of a, a, a DCOM movie, if you will. And, and, and it's yeah. not good, but it's kind of the last time in the filmography that I remember even like a, a glimmer of that winning Lindsay Lohanness, even though, again, you can kind of see things on the horizon. It's it's not as charismatic. She and Chris Pine have absolutely no chemistry, just uh, none at all. But it, it's still sort of fun. So I, I think it's a good novelty. What's you know, crazy? Piece of knowledge. It's a good trivia thing. I'm yeah. going to mention some other movies that we are not including on this list. Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, which I some people do like. It's very campy. And so like there is an appeal there of sort of how outrageous and how pretty bad it is. But I just find that it's appropriately ra- rated because okay. some people like it. Some people hate it. I did not like it when it came out. And so like it's not one that I revisit, but I, I think it's pretty mid. Yeah. Some other appropriately rated and just not very successful movies include Herbie Fully Loaded, which is perhaps the most infamous of this phase of Lindsay Lohan's career. A Prairie Home Companion, which is a Robert Altman film, I believe is completed by someone else because he died during filming, but that is a thing that happened. Georgia Rule, which I believe we'll come back to because that gets pretty messy. That's a 2007 film. And if you don't recall, 2007 was a tough year in Lindsay Lohan's life. And and as previously mentioned, the canyons will not be on this list. So Jody, the most underrated Lindsay Lohan film, you get, you get one nom- submission. What is it? Okay, well, I have to say that, you know, we each get one and I already knew what yours was. Right. (laughs) So mine, as a result, although I think this is very accurate, is my submission is Freaky Friday. Okay. Which came out in 2003. Speak on it. Tell us. Okay. Okay. I didn't I didn't know if we want to go in chronological order. No, no, no. Make your case. (laughs) Go for it. 
Okay, Freaky Friday stars Lindsay Lohan as a daughter of her mother, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> that is how it works. <laughs> that is how it that is how biology can sometimes work. It is a remake of a 1970s Disney film. And so though this is not part of Lindsay Lohan's original Disney contract, it is a return to Disney. I would say that like the number one arguing point is that this is Lindsay Lohan's highest grossing film, which is kind of crazy because she had some really popular ones and she had, I mean, this is a big, pretty big budget film, but she had some big budget ones, but this remains her highest grossing film. And I definitely think it's not the film that we consider her most successful film. However, it is very important to the culture. And I think something that, as I keep returning to, for a certain generation, made a real impression on what we associate with like a certain kind of teenager. Because in the movie, Lindsay Lohan plays a rebellious teen. Her mom, Jamie Lee Curtis, is extremely overworked. These two cannot see eye to eye. And in a bit... (laughs) a very problematic racial stereotyping issues via a fortune cookie and an older woman at a Chinese restaurant, they switch lives. They wake up in each other's bodies, which cues such iconic lines as, I look like the Crypt Keeper from Jamie Lee Curtis. What I love (laughs) about this movie is that Jamie Lee Curtis playing a teenager, playing the character of Lindsay Lohan, is like the real comedy beat. And so that leaves it to Lindsay Lohan to once again, in a movie with Jamie Lee Curtis, sort of be like the anchor of this movie and the like the thing really pushing it forward. And as Jamie Lee Curtis playing that character, She's fantastic. It's a much more straight role. She also gets such iconic lines as, what does she say? To her band, she's, when she's about to have to play the guitar, she says, the rocking may be in short supply, girls. And she delivers it exactly as a 40-year-old woman might. But that brings me to the real point of why this movie is underrated. And it is because it has one of the best in-movie bands of all time, I think. And that is a band called Pink Slip. They are a pop punk band. Lindsay Lohan's character is the guitarist in that band. And they play the iconic song for their Wango Tango audition, Take Me Away, on which Christina Vidal does the lead vocals. And I think that's like a huge part of that song's greatness is that Lindsay Lohan's just playing the guitar and Christina Vidal a.k.a. Taina, also a child actor, is singing. And it's incredible. It's like an incredible pop punk moment. And I know this because the band Muna just covered the song Take Me Away at their concert in L.A. in costume. And it was incredible. You have to look it up. I have seen Freaky Friday, but I really do not have this level of recall. And I have to tell you that that was a very convincing case. You have There's one other point that you made in the outline that I'm going to borrow as a segue, which is this is another film in which Lindsay Lohan is tasked with basically playing two roles because she has to play herself and then she also has to play Jamie Lee Curtis trapped in her own body, which leads me to my pick for the most underrated Lindsay Lohan film, which happens to be her first film. It is, of course, The Parent Trap, as directed by Nancy Myers. So... 
Yes, as a Nancy Myers uh, enthusiast, devotee, you know, whatever weird noun you want to choose. I, like, I come to this movie as much for the Nancy as as for the Lindsay Lohan. It is the she wrote this movie with her former husband and longtime partner Charles Shire, and and for the for the eighties and the first half of the nineties, she would co-write and he would direct. This is the first time that Nancy Myers directs, so it's her directorial debut. In addition to being Lindsay Lohan's film debut at the age of 11 years old, and she plays twins. It's a remake of the classic 60s film, and she plays both twins, Hallie and Annie, who are separated at birth by their own parents. So it's not like a lifetime situation. The parents are splitting up. The parents are played by Natasha Richardson and Dennis Quaid. And so each parent takes a child. And then I guess 12, 13 years later, the twins who don't know about each other are sent to the same summer camp and they meet each other, become best friends, and then devise a plot to get their parents back together. So Lindsay Lohan, first film role, is playing both of these, and she is wonderful. And I saw this movie as a teenager and loved it as a teenager, but it is, I think, like a a grown-up, accomplished performance. And as you noted, she's carrying the movie with a lot of grown-up actors. But I mean, in terms of screen time, because she's playing two roles, but also it is, it's a movie about this kid or these two kids. And she's not just kind of cheesing and mugging for the camera as, you know, many young, respectfully to child actors who are very cute, but there is a level of like of nuance and charisma, even to this performance at 11 years old. And it's a, just a wry, very funny movie, great soundtrack. And you watch this one and you think, wow, what, like a star is born. And I, that didn't happen quite as much. It did in my heart, you know, and it also did in the the photo of one of her hairstyles, which which is honestly just like side bangs. But I printed out a picture of Lindsay Lohan in this film and like took it to get my hair cut. And I was like, can you do this, please? The only time I've ever done that. How did it turn out? I think the the person was rightfully like, I don't really think that side bangs are going to be the look for you. So it didn't really happen. Also, again, it's just like, do you remember this scene in the film where they have to give each other like matching haircuts and and they have to p- pierce the British Annie is the British twin. They have to pierce her ear and give her a haircut so that she can take the place of the California twin, Hallie. Amanda, do I remember this scene? It is embedded into my into a vital part of my brain where nothing else will ever be able to go. It's her putting an apple behind that ear and lighting that needle on fire and and poking it through. That's not knowledge that I had before this movie. And we didn't have the Internet in 1998 when this movie was released. So that's how I learned that. Also, how I learned about peanut butter and Oreos, which honestly is pretty good. This is a great film. I wish all of the films were as good as The Parent Trap and Freaky Friday. If if I hadn't claimed The Parent Trap, would you have taken it as your most underrated? It's hard for me. It's hard for me to go back and live in a reality that doesn't exist and know if that's true. This is what I think about The Parent Trap is that it is a very highly rated movie, but it can almost never be rated highly enough. Okay. It's, so good and it's so important. I th- I think my argument is that I think it's very highly rated among 
its intended younger audience and also people who were young when it was released and saw yeah. it as kids. And I think actually as a grown-up, there's a lot to like about this movie and yeah. this performance. So I I wanted to take it from the kids playing, you know, playing field and bring it up to the major leagues. I love that. And I love that you mentioned that it's, you know, Nancy Meyer's first movie because I always forget that. And I think like it makes so much sense in the Nancy Meyer's canon because like what her adult films do for, say, kitchens, the parent trap does for summer camp. The amount of like aspirational things for children and also adults in in the parent trap are I mean, that Napa Vineyard, I don't even know what to say. It's just immaculate. And that kitchen in the... Okay, that's a a whole other podcast that maybe we'll do at some point. How are you feeling about falling for Christmas? I'm feeling good. I'll say right, right before we logged on, I watched a Vogue video of Lindsay Lohan going through a bunch of her like iconic looks and explaining them from movies and from real life. And it was, it was filmed six months ago. And there was something about it that I was like, she's back. Like, okay. it's, it's, it was a performance of herself. It was just her being her, but it was good and it was relatable. And I thought maybe this is a person who is ready to get back into acting because, you know, as we've addressed, there was quite a long period of time where she was still in movies and those movies were not doing okay. So I'm feeling hopeful as a person who loves original holiday movie content. How are you feeling? I do as well. I mean, I like a holiday movie. I'm always rooting for our girl. I, you know, at at worst, it'll be a, a slightly more enjoyable, like Hallmark holiday special. And I'm ready. So I will we'll, we'll leave it there. And we'll be back, honestly, for the next 10 days with a lot of content. Some of it hasn't even been decided yet. Jody, you'll be back. I'll be back as well. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you to Devin Ronaldo for producing this episode. And thank you to Lindsay Lohan. We'll see you soon. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.